This episode is scripted, narrated, recorded and edited by Newell Fisher. Hello and welcome to the Watership Down podcast episode 55 in which we will be looking at the role of does or female rabbits in the 1972 novel. Last week's episode by sheer chance was released on International Women's Day so this seems appropriate. Does in Watership Down. It has been said that the novel Watership Down is very male-centric. While there are arguably reasons for that, in particular the inspiration of the author Richard Adams' military experience in the novel, these days this can stick out a bit. While Does become more involved in the narrative in the latter part of the novel, mainly due to becoming the main driver of the plot, every portrayal of Watership Down on film has felt it necessary to either introduce new female characters or to feminise existing male characters, while the sequel, Tales from Watership Down, published in 1996, introduced new female characters and arguably extended their role in the narrative. It is a convention in the novel that Doe's names are rendered in the original Laypine, with the exception of the Hutch Doe's, while the names of Bucks are usually translated into English, with the Laypine being used occasionally, for example while Bigwig is undercover in Ephrafa. I haven't looked into whether Bucks' names are further translated into the relevant language in translated editions. I would guess they are. As a result, the wonderful names of Doe's in the book are a main source of new words in Laypine. So let us name the does of Watership Down in order of appearance, with translations where these are given or relevant. Nildro Hain, Song of the Blackbird. Clover, a hutch doe, the first doe to speak directly in the book. Haystack, a hutch doe. Heisenthlay, fur shining like dew. Thethuthinang, movement of leaves. Nelthilter, Threonlosa. Vilthuril. It's a real shame that not all of these are translated. There is a test that feminists apply to works of fiction to determine whether or not they represent women or does fairly. It is called the Bechdel test. In order to pass this test, the work in question must, must feature a conversation between two women in which the topic of the conversation is not a man. There is a stricter version of this in which both characters must be named. How close does Wardship Down come to passing this test? Well, from what I can see, there is one scene that comes close. It occurs in chapter 35, groping, on page 325 in my 1978 Penguin edition. It is the scene in Afrafa where Bigwig comes across Heisenthlay reciting a sad poem to other does, two of whom, at least, Thethuthineng and Nelthilter, are named characters in the book. However, the poem makes a brief reference to choosing a mate, and none of the other does present say anything until Bigwig makes himself known. So, un- overall, regrettably, the book does not pass but this isn't really a surprise. So, where do we go from here? The answer is really quite simple. I'm going to summarise the plot of the novel from a purely female perspective. It's an interesting exercise in which the main male characters are mere characters in common in a disjointed narrative that seems more like the story we're familiar with, the further it progresses. Watership Down, The Doe's Tale In Adbury Park, Warren, Nildro Hain, along with her mate, meets the leader of a group of Buck Lessil. 
After he has given a tour of the warren, she asks if he has been as far as the well pit and has seen the artistic shapes that are a unique feature of this warren. The next day, she dies in a snare. A few days later, we learn of the gassing of the warren at Sandalford, during which Doe's detected the gas first and tried to escape, though those with litters would not leave them and attacked anyone who came near them. No Doe's survived. A few days later, the Hutch Doe's Clover and Haystack and their mates are visited by two bucks at Nuthanger Farm at the foot of Warship Down. The larger of the two bucks makes it clear they would like to rescue them all and take them back to their warren. Clover is excited by the prospect of such freedom. The two bucks leave when one of the farm cats shows up. Meanwhile, at the warren of Ephrapha near Overton, Heisenthal meets a buck who has attempted to act as an emissary from another warren only to be told he cannot leave. She tells him about Ephrapha and about how a group of them have tried to ask to leave due to overcrowding, only to be refused. The system there is breaking down, and many does would happily go elsewhere. Three nights later, several bucks return to Nuttanger Farm. It is clear that the larger buck who visited before is their leader. They free the hutch rabbits, and Clover leaves the hutch first, pushing at the breached hutch door in order to get out. Once in the farmyard, one of the farm cats begins to circle them, wary as it has been attacked by a large buck. Then the farm dog wakes up. Clover and her mate run with their rescuers, however Haystack and hers are too afraid to move. The leader of the bucks comes back and tries to persuade them to get going. The arrival of a chrududu persuades Haystack to move, but her mate has to be left behind. Haystack only just gets away with one of the bucks, but their leader is shot. The two hutchdoes, Clover and Haystack, start their new life in the wild on Warship Down in a very subdued atmosphere. The chief is probably dead, and later that day a group of bucks arrive back from an expedition in an awful state. In a large burrow called the Honeycomb, the leader of the expedition tries to reassure Clover, Haystack and the Hutchbuck about life in the wild before giving a full account of the expedition of, to all the rabbits of the Warren. Clover and Haystack learn about it being an attempt to persuade does from a large Warren called Ephrapha to come and join the Warren on Watership Down. They also learn about the terrifying nature of Ephrapha and how awful life is for does there, where they have to spend most of their lives underground. The only way to obtain a bit more freedom is to join the Owsler, but no doe can do so. There are more does than bucks, and they are not allowed to dig without permission from the all-male leadership of Ephrapha. As a result, many of them have become unable to produce litters. After giving his account of the expedition, the leader of it goes above ground with Clover to Silfley. She is adapting to Warren life better than the others. Then a buck arrives with the good news that the chief is alive but wounded. The chief returns to Warship Down a few days later, and after meeting Clover and Haystack again, he outlines his plan to rescue does from Ephrapha in the honeycomb, though the details are going to be a closely guarded secret. Incredibly, it seems a seagull is helping them. There is a lot of excitement about the plan among the bucks. The next day, all the bucks, bar four of them, leave Warship Down, headed for Ephrapha. A few days later, in Ephrapha, the young doe Nell Filter, on the way out to Silfley, speaks to her mark captain, making a veiled reference to an Owsel officer who was killed by a fox on wide patrol a couple of days earlier. She asks if some does could be allowed to go on wide patrol, knowing it will never happen. Heisenthal meets with Thethuthinang, Nell Filter and another doe during Silfley. Her and Thethuthinang had been in the group of does in the near four mark who asked to leave Ephrapha. The does who asked to leave have been broken up into different marks. They are all feeling despair at their situation, and Heisenthal recites a poem that reflects this. 
They are interrupted by a large buck with a strange fur cap on his head. He is an Ausler officer, and they are very wary of his attempts to make conversation. They give their names when asked, except for one after Nell Silter interrupts to sarcastically make her contempt for him clear with mock politeness. Strangely, he seems to know something about Heisenthay, who has never met him before. A little later, a young buck tells Heisenthay she is to go to the large buck's burrow. This can only be for one reason, and she arrives very tense, trying to make it clear that it is not her time for mating. Incredibly, the buck tells her his real reason for being an Ephrafa. He knows the bucks who escaped a few days earlier, and is there to help those to escape. He tells her the whole story of how his group left their previous warren before it was destroyed, and founded a new one a couple of days' journey away. Most of that new warren are now hiding out near Ephrafa, waiting for him to get as many does out as, as, out as he can, and they have a bird who can pass messages back and forth to help with the plan. Heisenthay has powers that enable her to see the future sometimes, like a buck in his group who saw their warren would be destroyed. She has a vision of the future, of fear and men, of a dog, a snapping rope, and of a rabbit riding in a hududu. She is confused by all this, but now knows she can trust this buck. This begins the part of the story during which the does are the most actively involved in the plot. Heisenthay gives the buck a detailed account of the events surrounding their request to leave Ephrafa in relation to when his fellow bucks arrived as emissaries and later escaped, as well as the treatment of an Ephrafan buck who encouraged them and later tried to escape himself. She makes it clear that Nell Filter was not part of the group who asked to leave and is too young and impulsive. He asks her to pick the does who will escape herself. She replies that they must only know about the escape for as short a time as possible beforehand to prevent news getting out. He has also decided that the buck who encouraged them must be rescued as well. He adds that the bird who is passing messages will help them in the escape and that they will use a trick to get away. Heisenthay points out that the escape will need to happen during the next two days if it is to happen at sunset. Although she is apprehensive about what could go wrong, Heisenthay is excited by the prospect of a free life on Watership Down and the buck is clearly glad he met her. She has made his job a lot easier. The next day, thunder is approaching. During morning Silflay, the buck meets Heisenthay and Thethuthanang in the same hollow where they first met. They are both nervous. He tells them to gather the does for an escape that evening. Thethuthanang wants reassurance that the bird will really help them escape. She also wants to know the direction they should run in. He points out the railway arch in the distance. Lastly, she points out the probability that they will meet the greatest patroller in Ephrafa. He assures her they can handle him. He tells them to sharpen their claws. They will need them. However, that evening the escape does not go ahead. Later, a scared Heisenthay meets with the buck and asks if just her and Thethuthinang could get away with him. They told the other does about the escape just before it was due to happen, and she is now nervous about the Council of Ephra for finding out about it. Thethuthinang is watching them and trying not to sleep in order to do so. He tells her that they need to hold their nerve and promises they'll be out of Ephrafa by that time the next day. At morning Silflay, Nelthilter is unable to resist making unwise remarks to the Mark Captain, and the buck has to distract him. The thunder is getting closer. Later, Nelthilter is arrested. Heisenthay wakes the buck up to warn him, and he tells her to gather the does immediately. She gathers them quickly. They are terrified. He tells them to keep one of the owls officers talking, if necessary, when he comes up for Silflay with the buck who is coming with them. Shortly afterwards, they will hear fighting. That will be their cue to run. Shortly afterwards they hear the fighting and the escape begins. The thunder is breaking and it isn't long before they hear the sounds of the alarm being raised. 
Meanwhile, Nelthilter is being questioned while being beaten by the head of the dreaded council police, the Auslaffer. She is telling the chief everything when the news arrives that the escape has begun. Nelthilter hears the dreaded chief swear that he will blind the buck who has led the escape. The escaping does have reached the railway arch and are told that the bird will help them soon. They continue on when the dreaded patrolling Ausla officer turns up. The buck talks with him angrily, and then Thethuthinang sees the chief approaching from the railway arch. All seems lost. The buck curses the chief. At that moment there is a crack of thunder and lightning, and the promised bird attacks. The does, terrified and confused as the rain falls, are guided by friends of the buck to a river. None of them have seen one before. They are told to go on to a wooden object at the edge of the river. Heisenslay is already on it, but the others are waiting to be told what to do by the buck. Another buck is holding a rope in his mouth for some reason. The buck tells Thethuthanang this is the promised trick. One doe panics when she sees a patrol approach and bolts, running straight into the chief of Ephrafa, who rakes her across the face, the face with his claws. She then runs straight onto the wooden object in her panic. Every doe follows her. The chief issues dreadful threats as the bird is no longer around. Suddenly, the buck shouts that he can see it, and suddenly, miraculously, the chief is gone. How this has happened exactly is unclear. However, there is water on the floor of whatever they are on, which the Ephrathans try to get out of by staying at either end, with only Thethuthinang sharing a raised area with a buck in the centre. The bucks seem very pleased with themselves overall. Then Heisenthray sees the white bird approaching, and reports this to the officer who seems to be in charge the one who held the rope in his mouth earlier. After a hurried conversation with the bird, the officer tells them all to get into the bottom of the wooden object, quickly, despite the water. There is a dreadful scraping sound and sudden darkness, and Thrayon Losa is struck hard in the back. Then it is light again. Heisenthay comforts her. Then, some time later, after more urgent conversations with the bird, there is a jolt. More urgent conversations follow. Suddenly, one of the Ephrathans hears humans. She stamps an alarm in the water-covered floor, and they all freeze. Heisenthay meets the eyes of the officer. He looks scared, but is not moving. And then the humans are gone. More conversations. And then the officer and two more bucks, and one, the Ephrathan, are gone. A short time later, they appear on the ground nearby. Heisenthay and, and the other Ephrathans are told by the buck who got them out of Ephrathan to jump off the wooden object and swim one by one. Still terrified and confused, they obey this order, all finding themselves in a tunnel filled with water, before ending up back on land somehow. The injured Threanlosa is helped by Thethuthinang and a buck. The rabbits all crawl into undergrowth, exhausted, and sleep. During the night, Threanlosa feels worse due to her injuries and crawls away from the sleeping Thethuthinang to a clump of reeds where she dies. The Ephrathans go to look at her body in groups. They are frightened of the unfamiliar surroundings. They begin to hear Hrududil nearby as the sun rises. The group set off north to their new home on Warship Down. It is a hard journey for rabbits not used to open countryside. After two or three days they find themselves in a copse where they dig scrapes so they can rest underground. The Ephrathan buck argues with the officer and rescuer bucks about staying in this place, but they all rest there for two nights anyway. Then, on the second morning, one of the Afrafans is taken by a fox without warning. As the group flees, Heisenthay has to explain to the officer that the Afrafan buck seems to have forgotten the advice he gave about the place because it was the best way for a buck to get on in Afrafa. Then an Afrafan wide patrol suddenly appears, led by the best patroller in Afrafa, which causes one Afrafan to nearly bolt in panic. A large buck quietly tells the Thuthinang to bring the rest of the group forward. 
This is enough to put the wire patrol off causing any trouble, and they leave. And then, after going a little further, they arrive at their new home, crowding into an incredibly large burrow where the two leading bucks tell the whole story to those who stayed behind. The Afrafans now also get to hear how their new companions got to Afrafa. Clover is pregnant. These will be the first kittens born at the new warren. The Afrafans are able to dig runs and burrows freely, and Heisenthay and Thethuthenang tell the officer, who is clearly the chief here, how much happy this makes them. Clover and Haystack, who began their lives in a hutch, also take to digging quite well, boasting that they will bear their first litters in burrows they dug. One evening, Clover, Heisenthay, who is also pregnant now, and Vilthyril are with a group of bucks, one of whom tells a tale of Elokrera involving a dog. A short while after the tale is finished, Clover goes underground and gives birth to the first litter in this new warren. Then, suddenly, there is a blind panic. The Afrafans have found them, and there is a large group of bucks nearby. Everyone gets underground, and holes start to be filled in. Vilthyril starts to panic, and talks to Thethuthidang about what she thinks will happen now, but Heisenthay tells her to be quiet, pointing out that the bucks aren't panicking. She would still rather be here than having stayed in Afrafa. A small time later, a small buck has a kind of fit and makes a completely unnatural sound for a rabbit. This seems to give the chief an idea. Most of the rabbits seal themselves off in burrows at one end of the large burrow, and the large buck who got them out of Ephrafa conceals himself in the floor of the run. Soon, the terrifying chief of Ephrafa breaks through into the run, where there is a vicious fight between him and the concealed buck. Incredibly, another buck keeps everyone calm by telling another story while this fight is happening. And then, suddenly, it is over. The Ephrafan chief is gone. Heisenthay tends to the injured buck who fought him. Then, after some time, the chief arrives back with an incredible tale of having ridden in Hududu. Amazed, Heisenthay recalls her vision in Afrafa. Six weeks later, Vilthyril has taken the small buck as her mate. Both her and Heisenthay have had litters. While Clover's kittens are already in training for the Owsler, courtesy of the buck who got the Afrafans out of their old warren. Bucks and does are preparing a winter burrow further down the hill, due to the large burrow having been damaged in the fighting. And in a hollow nearby, Vilthyril tells her young kittens a tale of Elachrera. Seeing the chief, the kittens excitedly break off from the story and play with him. Then one of them senses an approaching human on a horse. Vilthyril says he has an ability for sensing such things that he, that he has inherited from his father. She is the last doe to speak in the book. They all go underground. All is well on Watership Down. A very happy St. Patrick's Day to you all. Next time, we look at the concept of Owsler. <laughs>